0: You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Uh, today before we dive into the message we're, we're having a focus today and this message is for everybody but it's it's specifically last week was a very general relationship message on how to uh, have uh, level up our relationships and that's every area in our in our workplaces in our families our our marriages our uh, many of you have children like I do and so uh, we want all our relationships to be better and and when we find out what God's plan is and God's purpose and the keys that he's given us in his word to build life-giving healthy uh, fruitful effective relationships we can experience, I believe, God's best. And uh, today we're going to target a specific area, and that's marriage. We're going to talk about extraordinary marriage. And 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 whether you're married or not, though, I believe this message is for you because there's going to be principles you can apply to every relationship, uh, but also if you're one day going to get married and have that in your heart to get married, uh, that, that God is going to, I believe that if you'll apply these principles, so you know, take some notes, write these things down, the best things I ever learned that I've applied in my marriage happened before I got married married. And so I learned that before I met my wife, how to be a good husband. Are, are with me? We prepare for a wedding day more than we prepare for a marriage in our culture. And so it's important to know uh, godly principles. And, and, you know, this time next year, our, our hope is to have some kind of an event, a weekend event where we can really dive into uh, some things that are, are maybe possibly hard to talk about when my in-laws are in the room and we have kids in the room. But it's okay. So we're, we're going to still dive into some great principles today, talking about extraordinary marriage. We're going to be in Genesis 2 in just a moment. Before we do, before we pull any of that up, I have something for you. Because every, if you've been here at the church, you know that I, I just believe that we want to equip everybody uh, in their walk with Jesus. And part of being equipped in your walk with Jesus is to be equipped to, to, to find that special somebody. So I like to give Christian pickup lines every year. And I don't know how many of you have used those to great effect. I don't think anybody has used them effectively. But this year, because I've done it two years in a row, I decided that, you know, as important as it is to know things like, you know, I was reading the book of Numbers and I realized I didn't have yours. (laughs) As important as it is to know that information, uh, I thought we'd do something a little bit different this year, and so we're, we're, we, we have to, because, you know, that was good, and some of you had put that into practice, but, but I think we've got to learn from the, the younger generation, because there's some things that we, we learn as kids to express ourselves. We, we don't have the filter we had before, and, and, and I've got some love letters written by kids to, on a crush, or, and in some cases, they're Valentine's letters and notes to their mamas, because how many of you know your first Valentine was your mama? And so we've got a few of those we're gonna put up and my favorite is the last one because it's actually a note that was given to my niece who's in the front row, Olivia. And so can we put those up on the screen real quick? The first one, you're gonna be shocked, it was made by a boy. (laughs) Roses are red, violets are red, Uh, everything is red. Okay, next one, (laughs) next one. Uh, Thank you, mom, for making me food so I don't die. (laughs) Go to the next one. I am angry at you and I'm not talking to you today and tomorrow, P.S., all day. PSS, I still love you. Some of you had a week like that. Uh, There's another one for mom. Thank you so much for being my mom. I'm going to try to read it like it says on the card. Uh, If I had a different mom, I would punch her in the face and go find you. Uh, this one's pretty interesting. Uh, but are you ready to be there? This is one, you, know, you ever pass those, how many of you pass notes when you're in middle school? you like, pass notes, you know, if you like me, check yes, okay, anyway. Uh, so I me. Mean, that's how you found your spouse. Um, and, and so here's one of those notes so going go back and forth. Are you ready to be there when I'm mad or need to cry or I can do things I can't do with anyone else but you? Well, yeah, I'm ready unless I'm eating fried chicken. <laughs> so chicken is more important than me. Only fried chicken and only when I'm hungry. Uh, but if not, then you're the only thing I care about. <laughs> all right, go to the next one. Uh, the, all right, so, dear Wendy, uh, I know this is a weird, but I like you so much. I didn't want to tell you because you hit me in the middle. Sounds like they're needing some counseling. Um, <laughs> just like you had hit me last time. <laughs> I got you something for you. I hope you like it. If you had like me, I will take care, care, care of you. If you have a boyfriend, then that's fine. I will not be sad. I will, uh, here's what all the ladies, this is nudge, if you're here with your boyfriend or your husband, nudge them right now because this is very important information. No, no, say say with that one. Uh, Here's what what he says. He says, I will take care, care, care of you. If you have a boyfriend, I will not be mad. I will not be sad. I will buy you whatever you want. Even 100 pairs of shoes, too. <laughs> Smart man. All right. Uh, I hope you have a great Valentine's Day. Love, Julian. All right. The last one. This is, let me, before, before you pull this up, this is the back story. My niece, I was telling her I was going to share these. And uh, she received this letter. Was it in third grade? Third grade from somebody she knew. And that's important for what's going to come next because he ran up to her, handed her the note, not anonymously handed it to her, but this is what the note had to say. Let's put it up. Okay. Uh, Dear Olivia, my name is Mystery. <laughs> the reason why I'm sending you the letter is because I like you very much, but I don't know how to say it to you. I made you this poem for you. Your eyes shine, your eyes shine in the light just like you. That is so sweet. And you're the girl of my dreams. And I just want to say I love you. I like you a lot, but I don't want to let you know because you might run away. So I hope you like me too. Even though you don't know me, I love you. And here's my favorite part. I spy on you a lot. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for putting those up. All right. I spy on you a lot. At least it's honest. Oh, that's, those are great. Those are awesome. And, uh, and apparently she still knows who that boy is. So anyway. <laughs> All right, uh, Genesis chapter two, Genesis chapter two. Uh, beginning in verse 18 is, of course, in the beginning of the Bible, in the beginning we see God's hand in creation and then God introducing humanity to the scene as he's created man in his image. Uh, and then as he forms them, God, God created something at the beginning that is absolutely essential to uh, the way of life of every human culture, every civilization, every every generation. Uh, and and it, it wasn't that God started with a, uh, he didn't create a government, in fact, there's never a time that God instituted a form of government. In fact, with Israel, when it became a nation, God was their king uh, until they chose to select their own king. And, and, but here's was, here's was God's design. This was God's design from the very beginning. God created a family. And here's what it says. The Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. We looked at that last week, that, that God would create everything and he would say repeatedly, it is good. He would form the heavens and the earth and say, it's good. He would uh, create the plants and the animals and everything. And he'd say, it is good. But then he He says, for the first time, it is not good. And what was it? That man should be alone. And as we saw last week, that applies to all of our relationships. God does not want us alone. He's created us for family, and we have an earthly, natural family. And and, and how many know that families, as we can even read in the book of Genesis, often can have problems and challenges and issues. And so even in the midst of that, there is no perfect family. God has created family for us. And us for family, but also that's what the church is to be, because even if you've had a broken history, you've had a broken story in your relationships and marriage or family or a, a difficult relationship with your parents or your kids, that the church is meant to be a place where you can find hope and healing in Jesus, where we can find care and connection, that God wants us to grow together. So it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. We'll look at what that means in a moment, but it says, out of the The Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam the man, to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. I don't think it was an accident that God, as, as God's creating, forming, and bringing them to Adam to see what Adam would call them, he, God has a plan in that, that he's revealing to Adam why it's not good that he's alone. And so as he's seeing, there's, 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 there's a pair, there's a design in creation that, that, that there's, there, none of what God had created was alone. And so God brings them to Adam to show Adam that Adam needed somebody, that Adam needed someone. And so for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept, he took out one of his ribs, closed up his flesh in his place and took the rib which the Lord God had taken from man and into which he made woman and he brought her to The man, he brought her to the man, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man, therefore... Verse 24, this speaks to God's plan and purpose for marriage throughout every generation. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You see three things there. First is the leaving, that there's a change of, of, of not only residence, but there's a change of, of, of recognition and relationship. So there's a, that a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The second thing that happens is joining. There's a connection that happens. There's a relationship that's built and they become something. They become together. They become one flesh, it says. And so there's something about, this is why it's so important uh, as you, those who are preparing one day to be married, that you, you recognize that it's not just about getting a ring or signing a certificate or it, it's about what you're becoming. It's about what you're becoming together. Adam could not fulfill his destiny by himself. He needed somebody else. God brought somebody into his life that he was to bring value to and serve and love and care for and vice versa, that she would be a helpmate to him, and so God designed and it purpose, and, and some of us are, 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 you know, we think, well, I don't need anybody in my life, but God has designed and valued and created relationship, and ultimately, that's why we also have to be careful how we pursue relationships because it affects us and it forms who we become. Relationships affect who we become. So God never created an institution. In fact, he didn't even create a religious organization. He created a family. He started with a man and a woman, and his presence, if you know the, the rest of the story in the garden, God walked with Adam and Eve. And so God's design from the very beginning was that he would create a man and a woman that were joined together in a covenant of marriage, and that he would walk in the midst, that God himself would dwell with them. And I've said this before, but a Christian marriage is not just two christians married together it's not just that our christianmingle.com profiles line up come on somebody but but there's actually something about our relationship that jesus is at the center that god's presence dwells in there in fact i personally believe that to be all that our marriages are called to be we need the presence of god i meet without jesus is a mess I realized it. I've been preparing for this series the last couple of weeks, and I've been studying this out and and realizing how much I've got to learn. Uh, and, and you know, I had somebody just before service that I knew you were going to preach on marriage today, so I was extra nice to my wife. <laughs> and, and, and it's important that we do that, so that's good. But uh, but but let's let's look at this. Uh, I've got three points for you today. Number one is this: marriage is God's idea and design. And 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 maybe you have. Have seen marriage does not work well, maybe your family, in fact I, one of the things I do in premarital counseling when I'm preparing, a, a, working with a couple before marriage, I believe it's more important to prepare before the marriage day than it is to just, you know, we're going to book the venue we're going to, you know, get, get all the see who what the guest list is and we go through all those things, in fact, I think the world informs how we view marriage more than God's word does many times and we think that's the priority and that's all good, But but it's important that we don't just prepare for an event but a life and I always ask this question what was your family's story what was marriage like in your family what was marriage like uh, with your parents? Or, or, and, and, and a lot of times, more often than not, the story was difficult. The story, there are exceptions. There are times where somebody says, my parents have loved each other. They've been married for 40, 50 years. And they've been an example of Godly and all of that. But most people's story, in fact, just again, I told you last week, read the book of Genesis. Like, we've gotten it messed up from the very beginning. Because people are not perfect. Relationships are not perfect. There is no perfect family. There is no perfect church. Because people are in all those. And yet, God, who is perfect, wants to in, be invited in the midst of our relationships to bring about his purpose and uh, you know this is God's design Matthew 19 3 the Pharisees the religious leaders came to Jesus and they are testing him and they said is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for j- just for any reason and uh, marriage had come to a place of low significance and value even in the religious culture of the time uh, and, and, and Jesus' response is to point back to the Old Testament to point back to the word of God he says have you not read that he made them at the beginning he made them male and female for this reason a man shall leave he quotes Genesis Leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife the two shall become one flesh. So then they're no longer two but one, one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together let no man separate. And so there's this, he points to because in the culture, in fact there was somebody who did a study in 1947 of every major civilization throughout human history of the things that contributed to the collapse and downfall of that civilization. And, and most of those were not Christian societies and cultures, and, but, but the, all of them had, had something in common in the early stages of their rise and advance, that there was often a high value on the family and a high value on marriage. And when, when marriage was no longer sacred or held in a place of worth and value, you can almost tell throughout, I mean, it's like clockwork throughout human history that that tends to be the decline of civilization as they knew it, uh, and, and and sometimes we we look at the world today and think, well, these are the, you know we we have new problems. No, we don't. People have always been people. Human nature has always been human nature. Brokenness in relationships have always been brokenness in relationships. We think, well, you know, marriage, that's an old idea that's antiquated. That's, you know, even the Bible, that's, that's just old. No, listen, there, there's some things that are timeless and there's a reason why God's designed it because it brings about God's purpose. And, and, and just like God, you know, I like to go camping and uh, one of my favorite things about camping is having a fire and sitting there roasting marshmallows. But whenever you have a fire, I, I was in Arizona for many years and we would always get these fire restrictions because uh, we would have droughts. And so there'd be very little rain, very little moisture. And so they'd say, be very careful. And sometimes they just say, no fires at all, because the fire would spread easily. And if there wasn't some kind of a boundary or border to contain what was actually beneficial, life-giving, and enjoyable, then it actually could cause great damage. And just like fire has not changed in human history, neither have we. And so God has designed the right principles and, and things to put together for us to experience the best that he has for us. And in marriage, that's a covenant of marriage. That's a plan. And I love that God brings Adam, his wife, he brings Eve to him. God had a gift for Adam. God, God was designed that marriage was to be a blessing, that that, the, that relationship was to be life-giving. And so God's design oftentimes is, is meant to be extraordinary, and our view can be very low because of hurt. Uh, we've walked through pain. We've walked through brokenness. Uh, people say all the time, well, marriage is broken. Well, marriage isn't broken. People are broken. We're all broken. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need God's word. Uh, and so, so it's important that, uh, you know, and, and if you're, you're preparing, you know, if you're single, if you're preparing for a future relationship, uh, I, I can tell you this is important because who you're going to be spending the rest of your life with matters because it affects who you become. So don't ignore the red flags. Don't ignore the things that, because anything that, when we say I do, we don't just say I do to the things we know about. Because anybody can say I do to the things you know about. Because, you know, we've all got our best foot forward on our, when we're on a date. But, but are the, what are the things that, that really matter? And how do they treat people? How do they handle stress? How do they walk out their faith and walk with Jesus? Those things matter. Those things matter. They'll, they'll matter today. They'll matter then, I can guarantee you having I don't know how many thousands of hours I've spent as a pastor in, in relationship counseling, especially marriage counseling, over the years with people. And the, the issues are often, while everybody's relationship is different, there is no one-size-fits-all problem or, or need. Or, 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 but, but here's what I can tell you is that there's, there's kind of several common denominators that tend to contribute. Uh, let me just give you a few real quick. Um, well, communication is a big one. Have you, have you realized you got to work on communication with your spouse? Just when I got it, I think I got figure it figured out. Mark said amen in the front row. Uh, it, it's just one of those things that, like, communication's important. It's actually the lifeblood of every relationship. Communication's important, but, but a, a, bro, a breakdown in communication is often a result of relationship issues. You know what else is the one? Uh, g- well, h- how many of you have kids? You don't, don't raise your hand. Kids can create, kids are a blessing, I don't want to be misunderstood, but also there can be stresses and pressures on your relationship with kids. In-laws. Okay, I'll just keep moving on. (laughs) Finances. Money creates opportunity. It also creates pressure. Being, having different values. Having different values means that it's hard to to operate as one flesh, to walk together, to prioritize what really matters. And, and, and if I can just give some advice in the room, don't ever marry somebody to change them. Well, when we get married, they're going to be different. No, they're not. When you say I do, you're saying I do to everything they are and everything that you know about, but also everything you don't know about. But here's what we need to recognize, that in our relationships, God's design is not that we just stick it out. Because I think the world has a very low view of marriage. And unfortunately, even as believers, as Christians, many times we do as well. And, and, and marriage is not just to stick it out. It's not just to survive. It's not to just stay ordinary. In fact, I titled this message, Extraordinary Marriage. And, and, and God wants all of our marriages, all of our relationships. Can I just say that? God wants all of our relationships. God's design and plan is that our relationships can be extraordinary. And it's no different in our marriages. In fact, I think the most important relationship you'll ever have outside of your relationship with God is your relationship with your spouse. And so it matters. It matters what you put into it. It matters how you view it. And so so I'm gonna give you, number two, if you're taking notes, is this. God wants you to have an extraordinary marriage. Extraordinary marriages are healthy marriages. Emotionally healthy, relationally healthy Spiritually healthy. Extraordinary marriages become healthy marriages. Extraordinary marriages are Jesus-centered marriages. Extraordinary marriages are about love more than lust. I, I, I know we say I love you, but sometimes it's just I lust you. What's the difference? Well, lust is about what I can take. But love is about what I can give. In fact, in fact, in all of our relationships, extraordinary marriage is about more than give, more giving, than taking. Extraordinary marriages require investment. They require investment and prioritization. Extraordinary marriages require vulnerability and protection. What does that mean? It means that we need to be open with each other. We need to be vulnerable with each other. Is there somebody in the world that really knows you? It should be your spouse. But also, it's something that should be guarded and protected and, and, and valued and cherished. Today, there's going to be two teams facing off. And while talent is going to play a big role in today, you don't go to the Super Bowl without being talented. But you know, one of the greatest contributing factors to victory on the field is how unified a team is. You can have a lot of talent on a team, but if they don't work together, if they're not unified with one common purpose and one common goal, they won't succeed as a team. And I mentioned this last week, but the enemy's tactic in all relationships is to divide and conquer. A house divided against itself cannot stand. A team that's united, a team in a workplace that's united can accomplish a purpose. A team that's united in the church can accomplish the mission of God through the church. When our family is united with one common purpose and we're moving forward together, we can accomplish more than we can on our own. And it's no different in our marriage. The enemy, the enemy has a strategy against your team and mine. It's to divide. Have you ever for no reason whatsoever just not been able to get along with each other? Not, not you. We've worked through that sometimes. Once or Twice. I, I know there's some relationships, every, everyone's different. Some people are very passive and, and, and one, one person tends to win all the arguments. And some people, both, couple, both, both people are, are, are passive and so nobody ever talks about anything wrong. And some people are like my wife and I, we're both strong personalities, we're both preachers. And that just means we can use words to encourage Okay. Um, And and, and so so we've got to recognize, no matter how we're wired or who we are, that God wants us working together. He wants us unified. He wants us to, some people approach arguing as, I'm in this to win this. And I don't know, I, I, I met this couple when Jen and I were engaged. That was, they were the sweetest couple I ever met. They were in their 90s. The husband had built that house right after he came back from being uh, an artillery officer in World War II, built this house in Phoenix, Arizona, had no air conditioning in that house. I have no idea how they lived in that house for all those years. But they said, and I I personally think that they forgot because they're in their 90s and they had no air conditioning in the house for 70 years. But they both told me, they said, we've never had an argument in our entire marriage. Well, for the rest of us, The goal is not to win. The goal is not even to be right. The goal is to see our relationship move forward, to see the purpose of God fulfilled. That's why I think it's important to have Jesus at the center. Because if he's at the center, it's not about me being right and her being right. And I'll be honest, I I learned early on in our relationship, you know, know, when we first got married, I thought, okay, I got to find the thing that's going to be the hill I'm going to stand my ground on as a husband. And I don't know why I chose this hill, but it was—it was a discussion over because my wife, when we got married, she she changed, she started changing a few things. She she cleared out my wardrobe. She goes, and I said, well, I, I don't understand. I thought you liked all that. She goes, No, I looked past it. <laughs> And so I I didn't understand it at the time. And I thought, okay, she's changing everything. I've got to stand my ground somewhere. And I decided something that I wouldn't advise. I decided that where I was, the hill I was going to die upon was going to be over how we decorated our bathroom. I know, it's ridiculous. And I don't remember what the discussion was fully. It just had to do with she wanted to put some kind of shower curtain in that bathroom. And I just decided I didn't like that. And I thought, this is the one this is the battle. This is what I need to fight for. Again, I, I, to this day, have no idea why. I don't know. uh, I had issues. (laughs) You don't don't realize how self-centered you are until you're married. And then you get kids in the picture and you realize, oh, any level of self-centeredness I still have has to be dealt with. (laughs) And and here's what the Bible says, Ephesians chapter 4. By the way, she won that one. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves. Make every effort. Make every effort. Relationships take effort. They take effort. Did you know that? <laughs> they, they take effort. And we think it's, you know, in the world they're like, well, it's, it's, it's about being compatible and so there's, there's this idea I think is, is created by the world to just justify anything and say, well, we're just not compatible. But here's what I've found. Everybody's different. You're not compatible with anybody. Even if they're very similar and you both like to watch Star Wars together. I've tried for 15 years. So you won't watch it with me. And even if you've got the same interests and say you can have all those things aligned, and you like to do, and I think it's good to have the same interests and activities, and that's all good. But you're still, at the end of the day, you're different people, and you have to recognize that you have to make a choice, a decision to 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 serve, to love, to make a decision to get along, to make a decision to not always be right, to make a decision to say I'm going to prioritize our relationship over winning an argument. So I think our relationships, for them to be extraordinary, they start with our heart. If I have a healthy heart, I'm going to begin to have healthy relationships. And I told you this last week that often change starts with us. It starts with us. And so let me just say this. When, when as a husband, if my heart doesn't stay healthy, it's going to affect my relationships. That's why the Bible says this, guard your heart above all else relationships, there should be vulnerability. I love that we've we prioritized. My wife and I have set a time every day where we'll have coffee together and we'll share and talk about our day and, and, and we'll go through that and, and that's, we, that's been so important. And I've also realized that my wife, when she shares her heart, she doesn't want me to fix everything even though I like to. And, 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 and we're able to have that vulnerability but for that to be prioritized, we have to also guard our relationship. And so that means that we prioritize how we speak about our marriage. So I, how am I going to maintain unity if I'm tearing down my wife to somebody else at work? Let's get real practical today. If, if, I'm, if I'm complaining about the most important relationship in my life, rather than cherishing it and valuing it, no wonder it's become, in an area, a burden in my life. Not because the relationship changed, but how I view the relationship has changed. I remember when we were dating and we were engaged, it was not any inconvenience to drive through an hour of traffic in Phoenix, Arizona to go see her. And then, after now almost 16 years of marriage, there's times where I'm downstairs and she's upstairs and, hey, can you get me something? I'm like, why can't you get that? (laughs) It's just weird how we view things. And if any relationship should be prioritized, why not our marriage? Why not the most important relationship? We're careful about what we allow to speak into our relationship. We're we're careful about what goes in. And that, that starts individually. Like there's some things I won't look at or won't watch because I want to honor my wife. There, there, there's no, well, I'm just a guy. Are, are you with me? After, after this sermon, your wife has permission to throw something at you when you keep the Victoria's Secret commercial on too long. <laughs> okay. We don't, and let me just get super practical because I've seen this train wreck over and over and over again. I think it's important that we have relationships and friendships with lots of different people, but I don't have close girlfriends in my life. Not girlfriends. But I don't have close relationships with women in my life. Together as a couple, we have lots of friends. We have, but, but I prioritize that. So, so, so there's, I'm not text messaging somebody that I've been, well, I've been friends with them since middle school. I, I'm, church, I'm telling you. Because I've decided that the most important relationship in my life needs to be protected. And it also requires Investment. It requires a recognition that maybe things, I, I, I need to be honest about where things are. So, so we don't have secrets between us. Part of being one flesh, we don't, we don't keep secrets from each other. We share our heart. We talk through things. We work through things. When we have, you know, the Bible says, don't let, when you're angry, don't sin, and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So, so, so don't go to bed angry. I tell people that's why I look tired all the time. We're, we're going to talk through some things. We're going to work through it because it's important. <laughs> okay. If you're married and you're having difficulties, don't first start with your spouse. Because I know how some people hear this message, you go, well, my, my husband needs to hear this. I hope they're listening to this, I hope they, and, and that's, that's, but what if we started with us and Jesus? Because we've had seasons of our own relationship where, where Jenna had to go to Jesus first, where I've had to go to Jesus first. And, and so, so I always start there when I'm working with a couple is, how are you and Jesus doing? Because I know right now what's in front of you is what you're battling over, but how are you and Jesus because when you've got that because here's what I found out there's some stuff that if I discuss we're going to fight about it and I think we should have conversation but there's some things where I go I'm just going to pray for her and she does the same for me and and we prioritize having Jesus at the center cuz my job is not to be her holy spirit and vice versa but when we invite Jesus at the center God changes me and God changes her and he brings us together and we have a much healthier relationship because of that and I can be wrong Anybody ever admitted they're wrong? How many of you, since you've been married, don't raise your hand. Since you've been married, you've never been right. Okay, we won't. Number three, and this is where I want us to focus today, is you can invest in your marriage today. You can invest in your marriage today. Genesis 29. Genesis 29. Verse 16, uh, Laban This is one of many examples of messed up relationships in the Bible, starting in the book of Genesis. But Laban had two daughters. And some of you don't think the Bible's funny. I'm just going to tell you, the Bible's funny sometimes. Because here's the story. One's named Leah, the other's named Rachel, the younger's Rachel. Verse 17, Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Some of you didn't catch that. Like, it doesn't have any trouble describing Rachel. Rachel, man, she's got it going on. Leah, she's got that eye thing. (laughs) You don't know if she's looking at you or... So we'll just put delicate. Her eyes are delicate. (laughs) You think I'm joking. It's true. Okay. Okay. So Jacob loved Rachel. He loved Rachel. And he goes to Laban, their father, and he says, I'm gonna serve you for seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter, for seven years. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man, so stay with me. So here's the story. Jacob works for Laban, his future father-in-law, for seven years to earn the privilege and the right to marry his daughter. He works for seven years, that looks like pursuit. It actually says those seven years didn't feel like work. Those seven years went by in a hurry. Those seven years, it was like, it was like, a, it was like a day to Jacob, why? Because he was in love with Rachel, and he was pursuing Rachel, and he was after her, and he wanted and prioritized that relationship, and then after seven years of working and laboring, if you know the story, Laban does a switcheroo, and Jacob marries Leah by accident. And he gets mad, he comes to, he comes to Laban and he says, you, you deceived me. And of course, in their culture, you couldn't marry off the younger before the older. And, and so, so he says, I'm going to give you Rachel, but here's the deal. I'm going to give you Rachel, but you've got to work for me for seven more years. And, and, and again, it's a, it's a messed up situation, but can I just tell you what I love about this story? Is Jacob marries Rachel and it says that he works for seven more years. Now, I used to read that, and I used to think that he had to work for a total of 14 years before he got Rachel. But no, he actually, he works for seven years, Laban gives him Rachel, he marries Rachel, and then he works for another seven years. What's the point? He kept working for her, he kept pursuing her even after he had her. What if you pursued your spouse, with the same level of, of, of purpose and intensity and passion that you did when you were dating? What if you didn't stop dating because now you have her? I don't know, sometimes along the way, we just, in all of us, it happens to us, we get relationally lazy. And relationships are, relationships are like a car. When the car starts needing maintenance, all of the yellow lights start going off. The caution lights and the engine lights and the uh, check your oil and the radiator, all the caution lights. And that's some, some of us are driving our cars right now with all the lights on and we don't care. We don't even know what they mean. We, we've had a conversation. I don't know if I'm going to just dig a hole today. Um, that's okay. Uh, I've, I've had this conversation with a couple guys where, where sometimes our, our, our spouses will take their, their cars and they'll run out of gas. Like you didn't know how much gas you had when you took, anyway, I'm going to just stop. I got a, conviction. Okay. But some of us live our lives like that. We don't, we, we, we're living on empty. And I told you this second service, I didn't share this first service, but, but to, 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 to end our marriages because we've ran out of love is like selling our cars because we've run out of gas. And we ignored the caution lights. We ignored the things when it could have been fixed. And we could have worked on that. And we could have taken the time. And maybe right now you're married and you've got caution lights all over the dashboard. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing to recognize our relationship needs investment. Our relationship needs investment. And I know guys, especially, it's too easy for us to just go, we're fine. Until the car crashes, (laughs) you know we're fine. But we've got to recognize, in fact, some of us are better experts on our cars. Okay. He served Laban for another seven years. He continued to pursue and work for his bride even after he had her. Have you stopped pursuing the person that God has brought into your life? If you stop pouring in, you know where relationships are also like a bank account. You can only make so many withdrawals without a deposit we, we, we can We can keep expecting and taking, and asking, and and nagging, and talking through things, but if we don't first make an investment, and here's what I've seen, is that over and over we get into this unhealthy cycle, where because she doesn't, I don't, because he doesn't, she won't, and, and we've got this cycle where where we stop loving each other, we stop serving one another, we stop making an investment in this relationship, because, you know, we're, we're mad at them, or we're bitter about the past, or we're, we're working through those issues, and and somebody has to break the cycle. And I'm gonna give you three quick things before we we leave. Three quick ways. These are very simple, very basic, but if you will put them into practice today, you can make an investment in your marriage, in your relationship. The first one is this. If you think of something good, say it. Some of us just gotta start thinking of something good. But If you think of something good, say it. Say it. And while there are generalities here that I'm going to give you, men and women, I know this is going to shock some of you, men and women are different. (laughs) Men, you need to use words of affection, and I'm not talking about words of affection that have something attached to it. But, But what if you appreciated and recognized and celebrated your spouse and said it? What if you didn't just say, I love you, but I love you because? This is what you mean to me. This is the value you have for me. And we begin to use those kinds of words of affection. What if for women, we, we had words of affirmation? Because you know what guys actually need? And this is something that's wired into the core of who we are. I've said this before, but men never get into fights because somebody was unloving towards them. We were just at a hockey game a couple days ago. It was great. There were so many fights. And those fights didn't happen because one guy said, Man, you were so unloving towards me. (laughs) They were disrespected. And there's something deep in the heart of a man that needs to be affirmed and respected. And what is a word of affirmation? It means that you recognize and call to not just what they're doing wrong. Because if you only speak to what they're doing wrong, they will not respond well. And it's easy to see the stuff that's wrong. It is. It's easy to see the dishes that are full. By the way, I'll get those to later, honey. Um, it's easier to God and she said, okay, it's easy. (laughs) We're having relationship counseling right in front of the whole church. It's easy to focus on what's wrong or what they don't do or how they do it, but instead to affirm and speak to what you see in them. Can I just tell you what you celebrate, you'll get more of. You're wanting your husband to be a spiritual leader. Don't say, well, why don't you pray like they pray? Or do what they're doing. No, no. What The fact that they brought your family to church. They're, they're, begin to celebrate those things. Even if their prayer over, over the Super Bowl chips and salsa was not super spiritual. You go, man, when you prayed like that, honey. <laughs> and you just begin to celebrate what you want to see more of. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Jason, you and the team come up. Celebrate what you want more of in your relationships. When God created Adam and Eve, it says that he wanted to form a helpmate for him, a helper. It's the, it's the Hebrew word "azer," And it's a word that means so powerful. It means to, it's the ability or power to accomplish a task and to supply what is lacking. And I think it's interesting. Can I just speak to some men as leaders in here? And I think in our culture, we've so demonized men We've so torn down men that so many men that would lead are afraid to lead. And listen, I I know there's there's unhealthy things. There can be unhealthy things. But what I just want to let you know is men are called to be men. And in the middle of the night, when there's a bump in the night, it's not the betting mail you want to wake up and say, go check that out. Okay, two of you got that. Okay. And, and so, so there's something about this we've got to recognize. But, but as men, can I speak to the guys for a second? God's called you to lead, and that doesn't just look like you dominating and controlling and using anger and your emotions that way and outbursts to control and get what you want. It doesn't look like domineering. It looks like serving. Here's, here's what Jesus is the model for biblical manhood. He can be the lamb, and he can be the lion. He's the one who flips over tables, and he's the one who lays down his life. In Ephesians it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. It looks like serving, it looks like prioritizing others, it looks like laying down your life at times. I know that Adam couldn't have ever accomplished what he was created to do without Eve in his life. And God took, it's, it's such a cool picture, God took the rib from his side. He didn't create Eve from his heel, but his side. <laughs> Close to his heart. And if there's distance in your relationship, it's time to have the conversation. And I know it's difficult because it does take two to have a relationship and sometimes one side isn't willing to work through things. And here's where you start. Start with these three things. Start saying it. I'm gonna go through these next two really quick. If you think of something good, do it. There's action. It's not just good intentions. Well, she knows I love her, but there's something behind it there's an action behind it, a practical demonstration. I learned a long time ago that being a good husband, while there are areas that I thought were obvious, there were other things that I found out, oh, it looks like taking care of the little things that's important to my wife, not just to me. You think of something good, do it. Lastly, let me just say this before I move to the last one. If, if your relationship looks like World War III right now, and I, I'm, I counsel couples all the time, and there are moments where it's like, hey, we just need to put the pause button on this for a second, and we're going to work through these things, but there's got to be, if every time we're talking is a battle, we need to have some space in our relationship where we're just enjoying being together. When Jen and I've had times that were tough, we didn't just always argue about what needed to be worked on or fixed or me trying to change her and her trying to change me. Sometimes it was like, let's just go take a walk. Let's just spend time together. I think couples that have fun together, spend time together. And let me just add a very practical, essential element that some of you might not be comfortable with yet, but pray together. pray together. They say that the average marriage I forget the I don't know the last time I heard the stat it was one out of every 4 marriages ends in divorce. It's probably higher now. And if you've walked through that, nobody hates divorce more than somebody who's walked through it. And they say even in the Christian world, in the church, that number, that stat is no different. Except when the couple prays together. And if you're intimidated by the idea of praying with your spouse, don't be. Don't feel like if one of you prays in King James and prophesies every time they pray and they're seeing... What if you took time to pray together? Pray for your spouse and pray with your spouse. You'll establish a spiritual foundation that can endure because every relationship is tested. I don't care who it is. Every relationship has areas to grow. The last thing is if you think of something good, be it. Be it. Because I know right now there's some areas where you can easily identify. We're all experts in what the other person needs to do. But you know, real change starts with who I'm becoming and if I want to see something change in my marriage I can't control them but I can control how I respond and what I invest and what I can change on my end of the equation and so I'm going to become what I want to see happen in my relationship and if you're single right now and you're looking for the right person how do I know it's the right person can I just tell you don't worry about trying to find the right one focus on being the right one Focus on being the right one instead of worrying about, well, am I going to find Mr. Right? I got to find Mr. Right. So I'm looking and I'm settling for Mr. Right now. Can I just tell you, I, I, this is one of my favorite things. When I was a young adults pastor, I used to have people who were like, I, you know, I know Jesus is coming back, but I just hope he doesn't until I get married. Some of those same people, they get married and they start praying, Jesus come, come quickly. A person will not solve the issues of the heart. A person won't heal what only Jesus can heal. Single or married, we all have heart issues that God wants to work through. He wants to heal, he wants to bring freedom. It all starts with Jesus. Whether you're single or married, we go to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and I want to pray with you today because I believe that today we're going to see I've tried to give you some real practical practical tools but as a pastor I know that a lot of you have walked through some very painful things you've walked through some difficult things and you've had some relationship detours along the way Here's what I love about God. i got one last verse to put up. Romans eight twenty eight. We know that all things work together for good. Those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Here's what this verse does not say. All things, go back to the first part of the verse. All things work together for good, but it doesn't mean that all things are good <laughs> or that all things are God. Like there's just some stuff in my life that the enemy, God brings people into my life, so does the devil. That's a whole other sermon. But here's what he says. If you've taken a detour, God can get you where you need to be. God, you can spend in your entire life in your relationship making a mess of things and Jesus can come into the picture and he's a God of restoration, he's a God of renewal. Don't give up today because of what's come before. God has something ahead. If you're here with your spouse, we're going to pray in just a moment. And I'm going to challenge you to take the hand of your spouse and pray for them. You don't have to say it out loud right now. You don't have to, we're not going to do anything. But, but I want to pray over you as a couple. I want to pray over every person that's preparing for one day their future relationships. You can pray for your spouse before you've ever met her. I prayed for Jenna before I ever Had seen the cornfields of Iowa. (laughs) But I was pursuing Jesus. And Jesus had to be the most important thing in my life. Today, I'm going to ask you if you're in here and you're in a place where you say, you know what? I need a relationship with God. Because relationships are messy and they're difficult and often are broken because people are imperfect but we serve a perfect God who saves perfectly and he can take our sin and our shame and our brokenness and all of our history and he put it on himself at the cross and he paid the price so that we could be set free some of you are carrying the guilt and the shame of a broken relationship and today Jesus is going to set you free Some of you are carrying the weight and the burden and the bitterness and the offense about what went wrong and who walked out and and your your today has been defined on who left you. But you're not defined by who left you. You're defined by who Jesus says you are. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Because I want this to be personal. If you're in here and you have never given your life to Jesus I know we've gone long today but if you're in here and you've never said yes to Jesus and you like to to begin a relationship with God I want to give you that opportunity right here and right now to say Brian I need Jesus in my life I need God in my life God's a redeemer God's a restorer if that's you just simply respond to God by lifting your hand say that's me God I need you in my life I need Jesus in my life would you pray this with me? I'm ask every person here, pray this with me to encourage them. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior. Be Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go, take the hand of your spouse if you're here with your husband or wife. Father, I thank you today that where there's been hurt, you're the healer where there's been loss you're the one who restores where there's been mistakes you're the one who comes in and makes all things new you can right every wrong you can make all things new if you've been through a divorce I want you to give that the weight of that to Jesus if you still carry the pain of that what they said and what they did and how they treated you, I want you to give it to Jesus. Because you're not defined by what came before. You're not defined by what they said, what they did. You're defined by the goodness of God, the redemption of God, the purpose of God. That's not the end of your story. I don't care who told you it was. That's not the end of your story. God, I pray for every relationship in this room, starting with the marriages, but to every family, every life, I thank you that you restore, you make all things new, and we give our relationship to you, Jesus. We invite you to be at the center, to do what only you can. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. We love you guys. Went longer today, but thank you for taking time to to make an investment. Dive into this. If you need prayer, or prayer team coming down to the front. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.